very last line of the book. It has the F word. It has the F word here. Yes. This right. is Dowd, his lawyer, talking about the president. Right. He says, right at the end, yes. after they practiced a session, and the lawyer acts like he's Mueller and he asks the questions of Trump. Yep. And Trump goes ballistic, makes things up. And, uh, and he says, Mr. President, you know, either you do this my way or you're going to be fitted for an orange jumpsuit. Yes. You can't testify. You are disabled. I mean, imagine the lawyer, your lawyer telling you're disabled. Right. And you can't testify because you can't tell the truth. Dowd knew he could not bring himself to say to the president, you're a liar. And that's how you end the book. Yeah. I think you buried the lead. <laughs> that's interesting. Um, welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show. I downloaded the Woodward book at 9.30 last night when it was available on the West Coast and started reading it. I got about 45 pages in. And um, I'll tell you, what's hard to do is to is to imagine how you would have received this information if you hadn't heard so much already. <laughs> For instance, I've heard so much from late-night comics, mainstream media, and everything like that about what this stuff means. I'm not sure I would have taken it the same way if I hadn't heard it ahead of time. For instance, the prologue of the book is the now uh, well-told story of um, whichever guy it is going in and snatching that memo off of his desk about doing away with the trade agreement with South Korea. Mm -hmm. And if I had read that without hearing uh, all the criticism of Trump leading up to it, I think the only thing I would have thought is, oh, my God, Trump's staff is undermining him. I don't think I would have thought, oh, my God, Trump is out of control. I would have thought he's he's working around a bunch of people who are not allowing him to do what he wants to do. This is a problem. Right. Because right. it's not a, well, how did that? It's not immediately evident to me that ending trade policy with South Korea is a bad idea. I'm not an expert on trade and geoeconomics, right? So, I, you know, maybe it would be a bad idea, but that's that's not what I would have thought. I would have thought you got people who are stopping you from doing what you want to do. That is not good. And to the extent that what you want to do is within your legitimate powers, obviously, right? Uh, it's funny. I didn't want to get off on the tangent at the time, but when that was first brought up, I thought. Well, I need to know more. What was the genesis of that uh, that agreement? How did it end up on his desk? Who was advocating it? I mean, he didn't write it himself. At what stage of the consideration were we? Why was it odd that it would be on his desk ready to be signed if it had been rejected? What the hell is he talking about? So, yeah, I've been confused by that story all along. Yeah, I think the most troubling thing at this point in having heard all the interviews and reading the book is you can't have a president of the United States who has people undermining things he's trying to accomplish that he ran on. Most of this stuff is stuff that he said out loud over and over again. Interviews, arenas full of people. Right. Um, and and they're, they're, they're stopping him from pulling it off. Now, the fact that he gets so busy and his attention gets diverted so quickly that he that he that he forgets yeah i was is pretty interesting i was just going to say a uh, devil's advocate argument would be he's attempting to quote unquote do what he said he would do in such a haphazard knee jerky fashion it's got to be managed and uh, maybe this advisor thought now is not the time to sign that thing that paper that would throw everything into chaos we got to wait till after the blankety blank i don't know cuz i believe the timing of that was directly during all the north korea right Right. Denuclearization talks. Right, right, right. Yeah, and Mattis argued against it. Um, he thought it would be a bad idea. 
to, uh, to we need South Korea. He thought it would, you know, it was going to lead to our troops leaving, and we need their help with North Korea. And mm-hmm. this is where World War Three could start. Mattis says and variety of stuff like that. Um, whether or not it's a good idea, I don't know. And 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 you know, I can't get into the judgment of that. But I think if the president decides, says I want to do this, dictates a letter. Jared Kushner took down all the notes. Then then writes it. Then sends it to another department. They go over it. They put it on uh, Trump's desk. Um, he looks it over, wants to make some changes. It goes back, and then when it finally comes back to his desk, this dude yanks it off his desk before he has a chance to sign it, hoping you'll forget about it. Mm-hmm. Then when Trump brings it back up again, you know, whatever happened to that letter? I want to end this deal with South Korea today. I want that to happen right now. We're getting screwed on this. Oh, yeah, we'll get that to you. And then they just don't. Mm-hmm. I think that is a soft coup that is going on. That's, that's, that's a weird situation. It's certainly it's definitely a power struggle. Uh, yeah, God, I would say. It can't stand. Anyway, that is my first takeaway, as I think I would be reading this book just thinking he's got a bunch of people working for him. Now, he chose these people, so you can speak to his management style there. But you get he's got a bunch of people that are undermining him, not so much that he's out of control. Maybe I'll get to that later. But anyway, Chapter 1 begins in 2006 with a meeting with Trump um, when Trump uh, says to a Republican operator, you know, I'm thinking of running for president. This guy decides to call his friend Steve Bannon. I'll quote from the book here. He calls up Bannon and says, can you come up with me to New York? For what, Bannon says, because Bannon's really uh, working hard making these conservative films that he's putting out, trying to have an effect on the elections, the midterm elections and everything. I'm sorry, it's 2010. It was six years before the election, 2010. Um, Why do you want me to go to New York? To see Donald Trump. What about? He's thinking of running for president. Of what country, Bannon said. (laughs) 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 Which is pretty funny. Because Bannon had decided, as I had, that Trump was a joke and that anybody talking about Trump running for president or being president was just, you know... Or endorsing the guy running for president or whatever. Yeah, it was just just entertainment fodder and a waste of time. And he said, I'm not going to waste my time. I'm a serious person. Trump's not a serious person. He'll never run. He'll never file. He'll never actually do this. He's a joke. I'm not going to get involved. Um, Bannon is convinced to go meet with Trump, sits there, talks to him, a couple of things in the Woodward book stand out that we already knew. Once again, this is telling us stuff we already knew. Trump didn't know the language of the abortion discussion, didn't know people were called pro-life or pro-choice. That was wow. new to him. Wow. He's it's a businessman. Just just, and, and a TV guy, right? And a yeah. TV guy. It's just, just not his wheelhouse. Wow. And they got into a couple of other things about his voting record. They said, uh, you don't vote. And Trump said, no, 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 I, yeah, I do. I've voted every election since since I was 18 years old. No, that stuff's public. And we went and looked it up, and you haven't voted almost ever in any uh, non-presidential election. You just don't vote. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, I can take care of that. I'll clear that up. Um, uh, they got to his, uh, you, 80% of the money you've given to politicians has been to Democrats. Yeah. And Trump lays out an interesting story. He said, look, every city... Everywhere I'm building stuff is run by Democrats. If you want to get anything done, you have to give them money. And he tells a story about a guy in New York who you have to send over an envelope of cash to this guy if you want to get anything done. He said, that's just the way it is. Right. So he said, it's not a political thing. It's just to get my hotels built. Right. But anyway, Bannon left that meeting thinking this guy is a lot sharper than I thought he was. And this guy could be something. Bannon left uh, encouraged. Boy, it's really interesting to me how you ticked off several campaign killers in a row in any election prior to 2016. 
And Trump, well, part of it is Trump. And, you know, and, and how crazy these times are that everybody's like, so he never votes. I don't care. Right. So part of what Bannon took away from meeting with Trump, he said his, he, he's an unbelievable presence in person. He said, this guy has got it. He's got something. Hmm. And Trump saying, nah, don't worry, I'll, I'll deal with that. Bannon just thought, you know, I'll bet he can yeah. deal with that <laughs> in a way other politicians couldn't. Right. And uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. I like the backstory on all that sort of stuff that Bannon's first react- running for president of what country? <laughs> <laughs> Jack, that's dismissive. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yes, it is. <laughs> anyway, I look forward to reading more of the book and getting more into it. Yeah, some more nuggets, uh, you know, on all sides. And yeah, we know there are all sorts of articles about Woodward was inaccurate about that and inaccurate about this. All right, yeah, that's fine. We get it. It's fine. We don't worship around here. We just observe. Uh, Mike Lyons, military analyst, coming up next to talk about 9-11, Syria, Afghanistan, sand countries, fundamentalist Islam, and the somewhat disturbing Russia-China war games. Yeah, have you heard this story? Holy cow. All on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The question is, 17 years after 9-11, how do we stand vis-a-vis fundamentalist Islam, which is a political system which aggressively seeks to end democracy and take over populations and land masses? I can answer that. You don't need, for their use. You don't need Mike Lyons for that. We whooped Al-Qaeda's ass. They no longer exist. And, uh, and Al-Qaeda's and, on the run. And, yeah, exactly. End yeah. of the story. Yeah, beautiful. Bin Laden's dead. GM's alive. Right. Super. Okay, great. Uh, military analyst Mike Lyons joins us. Good morning, Mike. How are you, sir? Hey, good morning, guys. Great to be back with you. Uh, it's always a pleasure. So in the uh, fairly short time we have, why don't we start there? Uh, how goes the battle against fundamentalist Islam? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it continues to be so far so good as uh, it's created you know, an, an industry with regard to um, to how we do it. It's changed the military in terms of how it, it budgets and where it puts its priorities, and uh, it's made it somewhat more difficult. I, I don't think we'll have this large-scale terror attack ever again uh, based on vigilance. I mean, there's so many things that had to go right on 9-11 for that to go down. Um, only took 19 people to do it, but, you know, perhaps the next large-scale attack comes from two or three people uh, using some kind of cyber weapon, and that leads to some some other kind of disaster. But um, it's changed warfare. It's changed our country. I think uh, as it continues to go, uh, 17 days, 17 years after, um, as uh, as the United States, uh, it clearly has defeated that enemy. But it's still going to be enemies to come. Well, because uh, I've seen a number of reports that Al Qaeda is as strong as they've ever been. Um, is that not yeah. true? No, I mean, yeah, I see. It just they're just headline grabbing, you know, clickbait type things. It, it, you know, you read these things and you just kind of shake your head and. It, it's, not, it's not possible that uh, they could put together some kind of attack like they did now, and it's, it is an ideology, and, I, and we do have that, that challenge to, to contain it in certain areas. And, you know, on 9-11, we chose to fight this, that war, you know, 10 time zones from where we are and, you know, six time zones from New York City. And 
Um, but no, they're not as strong as ever. They've uh, they've remorphed into ISIS. There's all these groups, but we've done a much better job. We've got better cooperation with regard to how we're going to fight them. Well, I'd say, in short, it's a problem not to be solved, but to be managed at least for the right. next 50 years. There's just no, you know, no other truth than that. So how right, about... Until, go ahead. No, yeah, until we, we gain, you know, gain hearts and minds and people embrace uh, things like capitalism and embrace other things in other places. You got to figure people have got the same instincts, want to survive, and these people don't want to survive on some level. Hmm. Yeah, well, I want to get to all the stories that we want to want to hit you with. So um, I keep reading about this impending disaster in Syria. It could be the humanitarian disaster of the of the century so far if Assad and Russia decide to go into this last area and start wiping people out. And we've been waiting for this for the past two weeks. And the reason why it's this impending disaster, because 300,000 people are there and uh, this could lock off uh, all those people from any kind of assistance for for weeks to come. Um, There's really nothing we can do except watch and and, and tell them not to do things like uh, use chemical weapons on their people. Um, The Turks now have moved troops to the border as well. Uh, it's no match because there's not a lot of heavy artillery and military equipment inside that town. It will be a slaughter of civilians. Um, you know, we, the, the world talks about these things never happening again, but sure enough, it's, it's about to happen again. And let's hope cooler minds prevail. Wow. So you don't, you're saying we couldn't stop it if we wanted to at this point? No, there's no way we could stop it militarily if we decided to get involved that way. We can threaten, we can wag our finger at the United Nations, we can do those things. But the bottom line is we're now at the point where these countries are going to do whatever in their best interest, knowing full well that uh, the United States can't do anything about it in the short term, perhaps something in the long term. But uh, we're we're not in, in position to do anything to prevent them from doing that. I don't mean to be a pain or anything, but we couldn't you know, send a, a wave of bombers over the assembled forces that are going to assault Idlib or send 50 cruise missiles their way and, you know, kill 5,000 guys and say, all right, fair warning. No, I, yeah, no, I don't think so. I, I, that would be require a, a lot, you know, an act of war. It would require you know, congressional approval. There's all kinds of things in place that we'd have to do. Uh, we'd have to show that that's part of our uh, national security interests and, and why we would do something like that. I, I don't think you're going to see the president do something like that. Fair enough. Should we be concerned that Russia is planning the biggest war games in, in its entire history? Yeah, I, I'm surprised this is getting no press whatsoever. But the Russians are about to put 300,000 troops online with new battle tanks and new, new air, uh, aircraft carriers or, or, or new APCs and, and infantry vehicles all uh, in Siberia. Now, they're, they're going to basically set up what they perceive to be World War III that's going to take place in, in 2020. And all they're going to do is, when the time comes, is take the plan that they have right now that's facing east and face it west and and, and perhaps move in that direction. They've got the Chinese involved. I'm, I'm shocked that we're not getting any kind of press on this because in, in, the, in the years past when the Russians did things like this, we went on full alert. Um, it, these are the things that caused two wars in the Middle East when the Egyptians decided to basically rush the border of Israel. But this is a very big deal, the fact that they're putting that many men under arms uh, participating in a military exercise. Well, like many crumbling uh, empires, we are now engaged in so much infighting, we can't even pay attention to the barbarians at the gate. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's notable that Russia and China are buddying up like this. 
And, and it's only a small amount. It's only about 3,500 soldiers. But I think perhaps that has more to do with the fact that uh, they're going to point them at the Chinese border in some ways. And they don't want the Chinese to feel that they are being um, uh, threatened. And, I, and, again, we used to do that. We used to actually send our advisors to Russia and to the, the Eastern Bloc countries when they perform these kinds of exercises to make sure that they weren't going to start the Third World War. So, but, but, the, but the key thing is this. The, the bottom line is China, Russia is still a wild card in this China, North Korea, Iran, Syria um, alliance that if we can still pick off and try to, to work with, we really weaken that place because that, that's the future East versus West. It's, it's, if Russia decides to go with China along with those other countries there, that's a formidable foe for the United States and its allies. Wow, so you're talking about picking off Russia and improving relations. That's right, and okay. I know that, that, that we, go, we get whipsawed back and forth from the politicians on whether that's good or bad. You know, is Obama talking about it today? Is the president, well, what's that, what's, we don't know what to do with it. The president's not been clear as to why we need to do that, and I think that's been part of his problem. But from a military perspective, we've got to pick off one of them. We've got to align closer to China or Russia in order to make sure that we don't have this uh, grand alliance in the future that would really threaten the, the world when it comes to economics and military perspective. Mike Lyons military analyst on the line and before we let you go so this disaster that may happen today or this week in syria maybe tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people killed the world's just going to watch that happen huh yeah unfortunately um there's no one really seems to be interested in trying to insert themselves to fix it nato's not the united states is not um and for all practical purposes i think we've just let let it go and uh, we've we ceded Syria during the during the Obama administration. I mean, I don't want to take any responsibility for it whatsoever. We got John Kerry now doing a book tour about you know, I don't know the humble bragging he's doing about what happened there, but the but the bottom line is it's going to it's going to melt down. There's nothing we're going to do about it. Wow. All right, in your thirty second AccuWeather forecast uh, for the uh, uh, the future of a negotiated settlement in Afghanistan, any optimism? Smartest guy in the world that I know is there, Scott Miller, commanding troops, but he's got the hardest job in the world. We're going to try to talk to the Taliban, but um, I just, that's going to go on until uh, you and I, are, all of us are long gone. That, that's, they've been fighting a war there for a thousand years based on religion, and it's, just, it's not going to stop. But I think maybe hopefully Scotty will get the, get the fighting to stop. Mike Lyons, uh, CBS military analyst. Mike, we always appreciate the time. Thanks very much. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me. Yep. That's a grim assessment of the Syria situation. Yes. Yeah, I, I see no reason to uh, to disagree, uh, especially given the potential for it escalating into something truly ugly involving, you know, the, the, the regional and global powers. And you got the Kurdish thing, the complexity of there's just there are so many reasons to keep your hands off. I don't want to be the saddest morning show in America. We're getting there. We're getting there. But I just can't imagine hunkering down with my family there as the Russians and, and Assad. Assad, an evil person. I mean, you want to throw around Hitler? He's a Hitler. And no, the, the world, the modern world, is not going to do anything about it. That's unbelievable. That's just reality. Plus all change, plus c'est la même chose, Jack. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Why do you have to say it in French? Because I'm sophisticated. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? On an optimistic note, we may have a second Trump-Kim summit in the works. Apple stores around the West getting hit by flash mob robbers. And the most valuable degrees you can get, 100K plus salaries, big demand. Yes. Easy, not easy, but easier to get. Subway has ended their $5 foot long. That's my lead story. All coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. 
figure out what direction I want to go next. Hmm. I will tell you this. Google is an undercover but unmistakable political activist organization. I saw that story. I saw that story. You're worried about the Ruskies buying a few dozen ads? I'm not happy about it, but I'm not that worried about it. How about if the company that controls all of it is not an even-handed player? It's probably worth knowing. Yeah, I saw that story. That's something. Also, Subway is doing away with their $5 footlong to great controversy. Oh, man. I'll tell you what. Once I got turned on to Togo's, I can't hardly go into a Subway. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Hmm. The poor man's Togo's, I'll tell you that. Really? Let's get the news now, Marsha Phillips. Well, the president and the first lady taking part in the 9-11 observance at the Flight 93 National Memorial in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Today, the 17th anniversary of the 9-11 terrorist attacks in New York City, Washington, D.C., and Shanksville, the Flight 93 Memorial is a tribute to those who died when passengers helped stop a hijacked airliner that was thought to be aimed at Washington, D.C., Second Trump-Kim summit could be in the works. you got White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders saying that President Trump's received a new letter from the North Korean leader. Sanders calling it warm and positive, raising the possibility of a second major sit-down with Trump. Negotiations over denuclearization have hit some rough patches since the last summit in Singapore happened in June. Now, I think that's probably because the North Koreans have no intention of giving up their nuclear arms. They didn't bring out their missiles for their parade the other day, which they usually do, so that was one sign of we're not going to completely poke you in the eye. Keep your missile in its silo. Hashtag me too. One thing it mentions in the Woodward book that I'd forgotten, their new missile, they could put a bomb, if you believe they've got a bomb they can put on a missile, some believe, some don't, but they could they could put that bomb in L.A. in 37 minutes from launch. I didn't realize it was that fast. Chilling. Yet something. Trump advisor John Bolton was uh, talking about the possibility of another summit, saying... We're still waiting for them. Now, the uh, possibility of another meeting between the two presidents obviously exists. Uh, but but President Trump can't make the North Koreans walk through the door he's holding open. Uh, they're the ones that have to take the steps to denuclearize. There you go. Meanwhile, continuing a trend that's been going on for a while in the West, gangs pulling off flash mob thefts at Apple stores. The latest target, the Apple store in Roseville, California, in an upscale mall. The store hit twice in 24 hours. Four. Wow. Four times in the last month. I'm sure, a person that's working at the Genius Bar is not going to wrestle down a gang of thugs either. We got a note and from. Nor should they? <clears throat> note from Pam, who was in a Verizon store in Fairfield, California, over the weekend, and there was n- there were no working displays in the showroom. They had to bring them out of the vault. See, that's person what I, by person. Wow. That's what I was thinking. This is where we're going to go. So you can't walk into an Apple store anymore and look at the cool everything. You got to show them your ID, fill out a form, and they bring one out with an armed guard. Right. Great. While eyeballing the entrance. And it's a mark of our time that the good folks at Apple or the mall or any other company wouldn't say, we're not having this anymore, and take whatever measures it takes to prevent it. I didn't Big, burly guards, armed guards, whatever. But we live in a time where you're supposed to lay down passively 
and accept being victimized and and bleat to the authorities, oh, please help us, please help us. It's pathetic. I didn't learn a ton in my time selling shoes at a retail major department store, but the most enlightening thing that I did learn is that the loss prevention department is about there to... support? Is that what you learned about? <laughs> no, no. I knew about that going in. Okay. Uh, the wits. The... <laughs> 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 the the loss prevention department of major retail stores is there to stop employees from stealing. They have very little protocol or any sort of call to action for for outsiders stealing merchandise. Wow! So their main thing is their employees are going to steal yes. from them. Yes. Wow. You know what we need is something like the Minutemen, who went down to the border to secure the border. We need roaming bands of retail vigilantes to prevent this sort of bold theft. We need to. Make a statement. I can't decide how serious I am about this. I'm waffling. We need to make a statement. We will accept lawlessness or the statement we will not accept lawlessness. Well, I can't imagine that Apple is going to change the way they do their stores just because they are they make a lot of money. So I would think that Apple is either going to decide as a trillion-dollar company, part of our profits are going to have to go to security guards or, and I'll bet they do this, because Apple stores bring in a lot of traffic to a mall. They're going to say to whatever mall, you need to work on your security or we're going to put our Apple store somewhere else where they do care about security and use Could that as a, as a leverage point. Although the problems are extremely difficult, particularly in the current political climate, because if you installed, say, something like a jewelry store, a bank has, where you can go in the lobby, but they're going to look you over uh, before you get to go inside. Uh, well, these uh, gangs of thieves in Northern California have been black guys. And so, you know, you got three black guys wearing, you know, whatever, hoodies, jackets, hats, uh, waiting to come in and buy an iPad. The manager freaks and says, right. I don't know if I should let him in. Then all of a sudden you're on CNN. Right. You're Starbucks. Yeah, exactly. So good luck, America. All right, my friends. A new Bankrate.com report indicates that actuarial science is the most valuable college major. The study ranked, you can major in that? Yes. The study ranked 162 majors based on several factors, including average annual income, unemployment rate, and career paths that don't require schooling beyond a bachelor's degree. Actuarial science majors earn an average annual salary of more than 108000 a year. They don't require advanced degrees. At what point do they hang themselves from boredom, though? <laughs> Quickly. And they have an average unemployment rate of just over 2%. How about that? Well, there's always job openings because they keep killing themselves. <laughs> I hate this job. I hate it so much. Meanwhile, they're saying miscellaneous fine arts degrees were at the bottom of the list with an average salary of about $41,000 and an unemployment rate of almost 10%. So, anyway, if you want to... Uh, Point your child. Uh, uh, yes. Not not to ruin. You know that's yeah. interesting. That's fine. Yeah. Everything like that. Is that information of any use to anybody? That stuff. Uh, yeah. That yeah. Now, stuff. A group of humans who might conceivably be actuarial scientists. They're going between that and mathematician, or something like it. <laughs> I'm not really into those fields. Yeah. Is zoology, nuclear engineering, math, and health and medical prep programs. Zoology. Yes. Came in second. Came in second. Hiring in the zebra list. keepers. <laughs> Full benefits. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Feed the zebras the zebra food. Don't give the zebra food to the eagles. They eat whoa, eagle food. Whoa, slow down. What now? What? That's what you learn in zoology. Yeah. How to clean up various dung. <laughs> 
Now, for the elephants, you're going to need a much bigger bucket. You can't take that little bucket in there. Why? <laughs> Something your zoology material. <laughs> hey, boy. So, in some cities, they're going to let you ride around on those scooters with no helmets on. That's kind of surprising to me in the modern nanny state age. Mm. What's at work? What's behind that decision? What are the politics behind the politics? I have some guesses. Uh, A bunch of stuff coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So, yeah, be scared of Google. Be very, very scared of Google. Um, also, a a 20-something, I think she's a law student. I don't even know if she's a lawyer yet. Did a little research on um, uh, monopolies. Wrote a paper. And it has shaken the law world to the core on whether or not Amazon is in violation of some various things. Really? Yeah. Couldn't hmm. change the way people look at this whole thing. Intriguing. She says that Amazon is like the railroads of the 1800s in, a, in terms of being a monopoly and, we, and, and something needs to be done. Pretty mm-hmm. interesting. So maybe I'll talk about that later. This first. A deli worker is facing criminal charges for allegedly eating $9,200 worth of deli meat. Wow. She ate two ounces a day. It's a gal. She ate two ounces a day, which is not a lot. That no. can, healthy. It's a nibble. It's a little snack, a little protein. Keep might, you going. Might even have been turkey. Sarah? It might have been. She ate two ounces a day, five days a week for eight years. Wow. It's actually ham, which added up to 260 pounds of ham, which they say is worth $9,200. Wow, she's a big fan of the ham. She sold nearly $10,000 worth of ham from her employer. By eating Little it. by little, wow. over nearly a decade. What an ingenious plan. Yeah. Wow. They mentioned the famous Johnny Cash song, which you probably haven't heard from the 70s, which I loved as a kid, in which he worked at GM and he stole one piece of a car, oh. <laughs> right, little by little, and right. built a car over many, many, many years. Right, right. Now, <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in the legalities of this. I mean, can you prosecute somebody for stealing two ounces of ham eight years ago and two more ounces seven years and 364 days ago? That's the is there a statute of mastication, if you will? That's the question, because obviously grabbing... See how he ignores me? He just thinks about what he's going to say. No, Half of my it, genius is wasted. I heard it completely. Genius, I tell you. Do I need to stop and laugh always? Or no, you, you must salute that play on... I mean, that was worthy of a New Yorker cartoon. I enjoyed it, Joe. Thank you, Michael. We'll put that joke on the fridge in the office. That's I'm great. Kidding. <laughs> because you're probably not going to get in trouble for eating a little handful of ham at work. Right. I assume... How She never mixed in any roast beef. That is the maybe the oddest part. The same meat every day. Perhaps in a nibble of Swiss cheese. <laughs> hmm. That's odd behavior. Anyhow, How'd she got that. figure it out? Did she confess? You know, that I didn't look into. Well, this is this is a mystery. Um, ham every day, occasionally switching it up with a few slices of salami. Knowing modern times, she probably tweeted about it every day. <laughs> Here's me eating another slice of ham. Uh, the store's loss prevention manager reported the theft after receiving a tip about the unauthorized ham scarfing. Psst. Keep an eye on Joan in the uh, meat slicing department. Why? Joan seems like a nice person. Oh, yeah, smell, she's her, nice, smell her breath. 
<laughs> Delhi has a loss prevention department? <laughs> wow. I, uh, anywho, we got that. So I want to get to this story. New York Times went big with what they now think caused what researchers have been referring to as the immaculate concussions. That's the diplomats that worked in Cuba and also then later in China who ended up with the horrifying headaches and dizziness and mental problems and everything like that. As recently as permanent. Yeah. As recently as March, when a, um, a detailed report was put out, there is no mention of microwaves, but they now believe it was microwave weapons, which have been around since the 60s. And, uh, nobody knows which, which countries possess these weapons. The United States does. We weren't sure if any other countries ha- had them. But these microwave weapons have the ability to put into your head, and it seems completely real to you, a loud boom or even spoken words. From as far as a mile away with a handheld little, uh, like a satellite dish. Wow. Chilling. You could be a mile away from someone with this little handheld satellite dish and put words into their head or booms or or just waves that make you feel all discombobulated and nauseous. Wow, it reminds they, me in a weird way of the neutron bombs that were discussed in the 70s that would not uh, wreak uh, devastation, but they would unleash radioactivity everywhere. This just messes with your brain. Painfully loud booms, spoken words into people's heads, even for deaf people. A deaf person could be hearing spoken words. Because it's going into, it's like something in your brain. Um, it, it's it's really interesting. I wonder if one of the reasons that we didn't more quickly announce what we thought it was, I wonder if there are people in uh, DARPA or whatever that were saying, yeah, I know exactly what that was. But you're not going to announce it because right. we have that weapon. Or wait a minute, let's see what we can do with this. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's, that's we didn't some know chilling what, stuff. It though. is chilling stuff. And I still say it's an act of war. Oh, hell yeah. It's a knock down several buildings as a warning thing. The question is, we don't know if it was Russia, some rogue actors, China. We don't know who it is. Uh, It's disturbing that there are other people that apparently have this weapon in addition to the United States. It's one of those things we might we may have been using it against Al Qaeda. We just never, you know, announced it. Yeah, I don't get why they would try it out on us, though. Seems like a bad idea because of the it? potential. You know, as I was describing, the potentially devastating, uh, uh, you know, backlash. Especially if you're China, you use it on some poor dissidents that are in prison, and then you snuff them. Yeah, you don't need to use it on the United States. Uh, wow. I, yeah. I, there's more. There. There are pieces of information missing from this. Obviously, more than the obvious. Who did it? Just. What were their? What was their purpose, and and what does it mean? Yeah, because I mean, they did terrible damage to United States diplomats, and a lot of them. Who fired the beams? The Russian government, the Cuban government, a rogue Cuban faction sympathetic to Moscow, and if so, where did the attackers get their unconventional arms? And it talks about this guy named Fry who wrote a paper in 1960 about how this could be done, and they started putting it together. And it's one of those things; it's a secret; nobody knows. To what extent we have it or have used it or what other countries do have it. But, uh, yeah, it's scary stuff. Yeah, you know, uh, Beaming my, spoken words into people's heads. Well, my daughter has considered this line of work in the, uh, in the foreign service. And the idea that some rogue actor or, or government would intentionally damage her brain for the rest of her life and we would just let it go. Because <clears throat> it wasn't a bomb or a bullet, so... 
I mean, I would I would spend the rest of my life hunting uh, down answers. Disturbing stuff. Well, you can imagine what you could use it, uh, how you could use it as a weapon uh, psychologically or whatever. If you're actually putting uh, spoken words in people's heads, whether you drive them crazy or sure. or you put information <clears throat> in there, yeah, yeah. So oh, that's wild stuff. So it, the same article talked about this thing. And then also that beam that uh, we saw demonstrated on 60 Minutes a couple of years ago, where it's just like a beam that makes you like... Feel like you're on fire. Yeah, so you run away. Yeah, I was going to say the microwave oven obviously makes your adversaries feel hot on the outside and cold on the inside. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't want to make that joke at the time, but uh, uh, yeah, 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 the death ray of the sci-fi shows of the 50s absolutely exists. And whether it's wielded and in what way in the near future, I don't know. Dang it, that is troubling Hell stuff. Yeah. So there's some other country out there that has that technology, and God, you hope it's not Al-Qaeda or somebody like that, but um, do they have the ability to all of a sudden do it to uh, you know all of downtown Los Angeles? They're working on it. That's frightening. Yes. Be frightened. Be very frightened. Carrie the first Und- hour of the show made you sad. This one frightened. Carrie Underwood's going to get her star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I know you love those stories. Oh, God. Joe will go deep with that story coming Listen, up. Listen, here's what you need to know about the Hollywood stupid Walk of Fame. The only thing that makes it matter than that story is the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Don't bring up that <laughs> whorehouse of an, uh, the, the dump of a... Google's evil. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show.